Kia ora and welcome to Teherang Awaka, Victoria University of Wellington, the podcast. I'm Leon Gurevich. I'm Associate Professor in the School of Architecture and Design Innovation. Uh, I'm also the Associate Dean of Research, Innovation and Engagement. When New Zealand was put into lockdown as part of the country's response to the COVID-19 pandemic in 2020, the university needed to pivot to teaching our students online. We talked to Associate Professor Zach Dodson from the Faculty of Architecture and Design Innovation about his experience moving from delivering lectures in traditional lecture theatres to recording them in front of a green screen. One of Zach's students was Wanaka-born Finn Billis, who, among other things, is an Olympic skier. He studied by distance, first from Colorado, where he was competing in the World Championships, contributing towards his qualification for the Beijing 2020 Winter Olympics. We talk to them about their experience in this episode of our podcast. Finn, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Just say a bit about yourself. Yeah, uh, my name is Finn. I'm from Wanaka, 21 years old and uh, currently a professional skier. And I've just started a Bachelor of Design Innovation um, through uh, you guys in Wellington. So yeah, new to the program and really enjoying it. Awesome. Now, um, I'm going to come back to both of you in terms of what you do um what you have done and what you're doing uh and specifically we're going to talk a little bit about um your experiences of a course an online learning experience um that one of you ran and one of you sat as a student but before we go through that i just want to kind of say why are we even here why are we recording this podcast so um the main point here is I want to, or we want to discuss um, just the experience of um, Finn. You were a, over in Colorado um, at the time that the COVID nineteen pandemic broke out, and you were there to train as um, a skier. Is this correct? Yeah. So I was in Switzerland actually when the ah. pandemic kind of started, and then. Flew back to New Zealand last year, had the winter here for training and then returned back overseas uh, in January uh, this year and returned to competitions and training and whatnot with a whole new set of challenges like we've never seen before. And uh, that's when I started the course in February when I was over in Colorado. Right. Okay. So when you say you went back overseas, you went to Colorado, did you, to train? Yeah, yeah. Training and then had uh, the World Championships in Aspen, Colorado following that. Awesome. Now, can I just confirm as well? You're a freestyle skier, right? You were in the freestyle world, uh, freestyle skiing world championships. Is that correct? Yeah. So, specialising, I guess, in uh, slope style and big air skiing, and also competing in freeride skiing too. So, um, got a couple of different disciplines on the plate. Okay. And for people who don't know what those things are, what are they? What? what how would you describe freestyle style skiing? Uh, I'd say it's probably the most creative forms of skiing in a way. Um, you are pretty much given a, a course or a canvas, you know, and uh, have to figure out your best run and you're scored against your technical difficulty, your style, um, your amplitude, how big you're going. And a course generally consists of about three rail features and three jumps, and you have to piece together um, your best tricks throughout that run and get scored and at the end of the day 
it's it's pretty hard to I guess figure out who's going to have the best run. It's so much uh, so much of their own interpretation of what the run uh, is going to score well. And so I guess with that, it's quite subjective in a way. And um, yeah, it makes it interesting though because you're always wanting to learn more and feeding off each other. You are training for the Beijing 2022 Winter Olympics. Do you know when when you might be in the Winter Olympics, or do you know? Are you, presumably it's extremely competitive to even make it in? Are you? Yeah, so I'm kind of gearing up for I guess my second Olympics. I got the opportunity to go to Pyeongchang in 2018, and uh, last Northern Hemisphere winter during the pandemic was when we were had our opportunity to qualify and. Um, I've hit the qualifying criteria so far for New Zealand and now I just have to, I guess, keep in form and keep training and uh, hopefully we'll get selected and have the opportunity to go again. Nice, nice. Awesome. As, as to when we're selected, I'm not entirely sure, probably in November or something like that. So fingers right. crossed. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Fingers. Well, I think everyone who's listening will be keeping their fingers crossed for you. Zach? I'm rooting for you. Yeah. Thanks, um, <laughs> you're also the only skier I know, so <laughs> but I'm still rooting for you. Which means he's also the, which means he's also the best skier you know. He's by far the best skier that I know. <laughs> and so Zach, I just want to quickly go through um through your biography as well. It's kind of ridiculously long. Um and you'll probably be embarrassed to go through all of the various achievements, but much less interesting, and the, it doesn't involve the Olympics at all. You know, there's a lot of sitting behind computers, so it's not so not so exciting. Not many tricks. Yes, well, probably some tricks when it comes to trying to do online teaching in a way that's engaging, right? We did. We had to come up with some tricks for that, certainly. Yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, I'm a, a associate professor in communication design, so I've been doing that for a few years and taught at universities. Uh, in the States and Europe, and uh, now I've been here in New Zealand for about three or four years. Um, and I was hired initially to start uh, our communication design program. Teheringawaka did not have communication design, so I uh, saw an opportunity to start that program. So I moved here to take up that job and help kick off the program, hire other staff, design the curriculum, welcome our first cohort of students in, and um, Things were going pretty well, and then this global pandemic hit, so we had to kind of change gears when it came to online stuff, but I'm sure we'll talk about that about that more. But that's my background. I'm a graphic designer, um, started a lot of magazine, book design, um, but now it's across all sorts of things, and we teach motion design and interactive design and all sorts of disciplines in School of Design Innovation. And you're being very humble which is as befits anyone who's lived in New Zealand more than about three months but you're kind of an end of level buddy when it comes to uh the kind of uh things you've done in your career in terms of some of the publishing you work you work with Hollywood scale productions sometimes with some of your can you do you want to go through any of that yeah whatever uh, you can say what I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um I um yeah, in, in recent years, I've wandered into some Hollywood TV production stuff and also video games I've taken an interest in. Um, 
but uh, maybe the biggest uh, notch in the belt to date is um, a novel I published in 2015, a graphic designed novel called Bats of the Republic. Um, and so that's really where my specific interest lies in um, uh, visual storytelling, kind of the mix of writing, creative writing, and graphic design storytelling. So I teach a lot of that at the school. We have courses in visual narrative and narrative design and world building and and these sorts of interests. So uh, that kind of creativity um, really speaks to me and and has found a home here as well. Awesome. Awesome. Now, um on to my my first kind of formal question, which is, and it's to both of you. Maybe we'll start with Finn first, and which was, what was your this this almost <laughs> I've written this down as you know, what was your COVID experience in brackets, which makes it sound like it was a theme park ride, uh, which is perhaps not the best way of putting it. But what was your experience of um, you know undertaking? Uh, uh, um, well, I guess actually. Aside from the teaching or the learning, um, just what was your experience of doing what you do as a skier and potentially as a student as the pandemic really started to to, to hit Finn? Yeah, I think it was challenging for most people, you know. Um, I was, like I said, overseas in Switzerland at the time and had lots of plans for the spring and whatnot, and those all got halted very quickly and returned home to New Zealand in uh, March, which is much earlier than which I usually come back to. And uh, yeah, had the year in New Zealand and got to spend like 10 months at home, which was a bit of a blessing in disguise. It was cool to get to spend that much time in New Zealand because I'm usually on the road quite a lot of the year now. And um, yeah, really enjoy just getting to spend time with some of my close friends from around here. But with that, there was a lot of uncertainty, I guess, last year. Um, I've been living I guess a life that's quite routined in a way of um or though we're doing a lot of traveling and whatnot it's kind of around the same timing each year you know heading away in November and getting home in April and whatnot and all of a sudden all the contests and whatnot were all flipped upside down and I guess I've been very fortunate in the, the life I've been living uh, as a skier and coming back last year was just a, a bit of a almost a reality check and I, it made me appreciate I guess a bit more of what I was doing and with that uncertainty uh, made me just realize my love for the sport a bit more and um, also other interests. You know, I've, I've always been in, into doing arts and design and whatnot. And that was actually one of the things that stemmed me onto doing some study this year is uh, having a bit more time to explore those other facets of my life. And um, yeah, I guess going into this year, looked at some of the time that I had last year of kind of chewing on different ideas and whatnot. And I wanted to make some of those changes and, it's been good so far. So I think overall I've had a pretty good experience, especially considering some people. I think the pandemic was super challenging and um, getting to go overseas this summer again and talk to some of my friends that are from, uh, you know, central Italy and whatnot that had a really rough run. Um, I just felt very lucky to have uh, been home last year, been in a safe place and, uh, yeah, super lucky to be a Kiwi, I guess. So can I just, I just want to follow up on something there because I, I, you know, about eight months ago, I think I went to a, a, a fairly isolated lodge, you know, tourist lodge to stay at. And what was really interesting was um, all the staff there, they said that, that in New Zealand for that, and they were all international, you know, uh, foreign kind of travelers or usually the, you know, the people that would be in New Zealand for maybe six months or a year, and then they would move on. And they actually, they were, 
here much longer term because of the pandemic. And this whole group of people that were in running this hotel, they actually said, uh, we went not long after kind of the main lockdown, the brief but significant lockdown in New Zealand. And then they said that the experience of the pandemic here, they felt incredibly lucky because they said that they were all one bubble. They were technically, because they were so cut off, there was no way that anyone had. So they were able to isolate during that period they said that they had the greatest time ever because they were out on the water on the the canoes together and there was you know <laughs> 40 of them but they were all in one bubble together so they knew they weren't going to get it but they were still able to uh, socialize were you did you feel like you were lucky because you were able to still go skiing and do uh, almost keep up your your practice in ways that might have been much much more difficult if you were anywhere else yeah, I think so. You know, skiing's a privilege in itself um, and to have that privilege was great, but more so on some of the basic needs of human existence, you know, being able to have a home and be able to come back and just feel safest where you are, um, I think was more important than that. You know, there was definitely a lot of umming and ahhing as if we were going to be skiing up the resorts last winter here in New Zealand, but um, they did such a good job to to get everything running. And I think that was a, a really lucky thing. But Overall, I think just more felt lucky to have had such a short lockdown period of what we did and did it successfully and then be able to carry on life, it felt like. Whereas going back overseas this summer felt like you're going back in time and revisiting all those those uh, ups and downs you have mentally and physically and whatnot of, of having a lockdown and not being able to socially interact with people face-to-face um, was really different. So that was going to be my next question was, was it a difficult decision to decide to go to Colorado? And because were you trying to decide, work out whether whether it would even happen or not, or whether you would get there and suddenly find that you were in lockdown again? Or what was the what was the thought? Yeah, for it? sure. Um, I was just coming off a broken collarbone last September, and so I was rehabbing that. And we usually head away, kind of start of November time with the national team, and uh, I wanted to rehab my shoulder a bit more because it's been a bit of a reoccurring injury and so stuck around New Zealand a bit longer but with that some of the other team members went overseas and uh, you're hearing mixed reviews as to how it was over there and I think like most of us in New Zealand it's just really hard to tell what life is actually like overseas and with that came a lot of just I guess researching around what it would be like travel how you actually go about it how we can stay safe and uh, we're lucky with the organisation we work with here, Snow Sports New Zealand. They did a pretty thorough planning um, document, essentially, to to figure those queries out. And with that, I think that's what made the decision um, to go overseas a bit easier. And I, I, like I was saying, though, it's we've lived such a routine life that to have that break in routine and to actually just have to think about these things was very strange. But something you probably should be doing, you know, going to the other side of the world to go skiing for six months isn't very normal. And um, it was cool to, I guess, have that um, change in perspective to really like appreciate it and have to weigh up all those ums and ahs that you have, you know? So yeah. um, Yeah. Happy with my decision though. (laughs) Great. Now I'm going to come back to you in a minute, but I just, uh, because I want to ask um, about you, I then want to transition to the, to the question of being a student. But before we do that, I want to ask, Zach, as an American in New Zealand, it must have been a, a, a obviously quite a different experience from Finn because you're not a, a freestyle skier. But um, what was your experience of the the whole COVID 
the beginning of this pandemic outbreak and as a teacher and as a as a professor yeah i think like anyone you can't not feel lucky to be in new zealand in in 2020 you know um and of course that was coupled with um concern and worry for our families and friends which are all abroad um you know so it feels like quite a privilege and a thing of luck to be here during the pandemic i mean in spite of the brief lockdown which was so brief you know compared to the rest of the world so um yeah i guess just feeling thankful for that and how new zealand uh how new zealand handled it um but yeah i in terms of being a teacher of course we were worried about the uh about the university um and our students and what would happen with all of that all of that kind of stuff um i think it's lucky that you know we were able to find a way to continue the basic business of the university and education um even while the pandemic was going on um and you know hard not to be in the classroom and and i think students and teachers generally wanted very much to be together um but it was a good thing that we had another option and and so just about that other option um you know, as we went into lockdown, did you suddenly have to think, okay, how am I going to, how am I going to teach this? How am I going to run this um, with, you know, how, how am I going to do this uh, completely online? Like, how do I actually, how do I deliver this in a way that's going to be engaging and that, that students are going to find interesting? Was that, what were your thought processes there and what were your solutions? Yeah, well, I'll have to gather myself. I think Finn's trying to crack us up with his sunglasses. And he's he's all, he's all very almost <laughs> succeeding as well. I, I had to look away from the from the Zoom uh, window for a minute there. I know I'm trying to keep it together. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so to speak to the question, how did I go about doing the online course? Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. So what did? Yes, exactly. So the lucky thing is that I wasn't alone in that, right? I think the university really came together and, uh, you know, the other lecturers, teachers really came together um, to think about how we could do this. Um, the university, of course, wanted to solve this problem and quickly and and as best it, it could. And, um, you know, I don't think we had a perfect solution. I think that uh, online learning presents its own challenges. Um, but it does have its own advantages too, right? It can be done in an asynchronous way. Um, uh, the pace can be different and um, uh, the access to materials can be a lot different, you know. Uh, so we recorded a lot of lectures, a lot of materials that um, and things that just happened in person are now documented, um, which is nice. We use Zoom to meet together online in various ways. Um, with my own lectures, I found in in recording them, and maybe it was just an excuse to play around with software that I didn't know, but I uh, I started adding GIFs and different backgrounds and text on the screen in front of me. So I kind of started uh, being more creative with my lectures than I would have otherwise been because the, the technology almost suggested it mm. in some way. Um, so there was there was fun and, and interesting things to do in planning an online course. So hang on, were you, and I've got in my notes somewhere that you recorded against a green screen as well at some point, which actually sounds pretty involved. Like there's a lot of, you know, this is one of the interesting things about about design professors, I think, is that they're almost, they're set up with more equipment than your average uh, university professor, and they're often set up with more uh, computational knowledge or software, you know, uh, visual visual software knowledge. 
Do you want to just take us through what you did, you know, what you were doing with the green screen and why? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's exactly what you say. It, it's there in the media lab. You know, we we have a green screen, a giant green screen, and three projector screens and VR, all sorts of stuff, and um, lots of people around who are really knowledgeable about that stuff. So I didn't do it all on my own. Some of the other media lecturers really helped me make this green screen lecture and then uh, have fun editing it together in different uh, different ways. But, um, but yeah, it was just because the technology was at hand. Um, and it kind of goes hand in hand with what we're teaching too. That um, that course touches on visual literacy and kind of the way visuals uh, fold into our communications more and more. Um, so I wanted my lecture to be a very visual experience and kind of um, uh, walk the walk, so to speak, in communicating visually. Okay, so I have to ask the question that almost everyone asks, probably thinking they're original and funny of anyone who does any kind of typography, and it won't be original at all, but did you use Comic Sans in the background at any point? <laughs> I don't think so, although maybe, you know, <laughs> Comic Sans is one of those things that it's like it's turned around and then it's almost, um, you do use it sometimes to make a joke or or in a meme or something like that, so it's one of those things that goes in and out. I, uh, I certainly know I have comic sans in, in at least one of the lectures in that class and, um, uh, papyrus too, which is my, that I have even more of an issue with than comic sans. So there's, yep. I'd, I'd once heard, I don't even know if this is true, but I'd once heard a, an entirely reasonable explanation as to why comic sans had been used so much, which was that if you're teaching kids in a primary school setting, uh, in terms of how you form, you're trying to encourage kids to form letters. Comic Sans is one of the best uh, uh, fonts to actually use for kids understanding the formation of A, B, C, D. I can't corroborate that. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you just don't want to be responsible for yeah, any I'm potential not responsible fallout. for that. Yeah. Yeah. Don't expose your children to Comic Sans. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> So, um, and just before I, I, I'm going to ask Finn what his experience was of, of this course. Before we do that, though, can, we, can you just give us a sense of the course that you were teaching? What, was, what, what are the main themes of the course and what were you trying to get across for the students? Yeah, so the course is called Graphic Design and it's a first year course and it's open to um, any student at the university. Um, but taken mostly by uh, students in the School of Design Innovation and certainly the communication design students. That would be the first course that they would that they would take. And so we kind of look at the basics of graphic design, um, how to use it, how to practice it, and also some of the culture around design, what the industry is like, what the field is like, um, and how it's used in, in culture more generally. Um, because I think it's becoming more and more of a vernacular, more and more of a common language that everybody can use. Um, so the starting point I hope is very accessible. Um, and we take what's a very typical graphic design project, which is a visual identity system. So, uh, the students will make up their own company or entity or business or group, and then design a brand and an identity system, um, for that, for that company. So it's, um, it's nice because it's fun. The students get to choose what they're going to work on. And it touches on a lot of parts of graphic design, from the logo to picking the colors, color palette to the font choices, Comic Sans or not, these kinds of designs, <laughs> design decisions that um, that designers have to make. 
And then to the actual collateral or the stuff a brand would use, whether that's signs or a website or menus or uniforms or whatever goes with that uh, particular brand. All right. Thank you. Finn, that I think sets you up to be able to answer what your experience of learning, of, of doing an online course or a course that's at least partly online Um because you were in Colorado when you started this course, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. And so, what was what was your experience? Of, at, firstly, this is a first year course. Had you done any other courses physically in person at Teherangawaka? No, I haven't. Um, just started this course this year in February, and uh, I guess I've had a few years after high school and whatnot where I've just been uh, full time skiing, uh, which has been really good. But like you said. I wanted to explore some of my other facets, I guess, a little bit. And I guess through high school for me, I was already taking a lot of time outside of class to train and to compete. And so I'd done a lot of distance learning um, while still being enrolled in the high school and whatnot. And so I was somewhat aware of kind of how that all rolls. But doing this course and the graphic design course last semester um, was a really cool I guess, introduction to a complete online learning because usually I've had the option of going in and talking to a, a lecturer or a tutor, you know, and um, figuring out some of my problems or issues that I can't figure out through the online. Um, and I was a little bit, bit nervous as to how that would go being on the other side of the world, obviously, with different time zones and whatnot, and you're trying to hit deadlines. But overall, I was uh, very impressed, I guess, with the delivery of it. Um, didn't run into too many issues. And whenever I did, uh, it seemed like the, the tutors and the lecturers and whatnot were uh, right there, almost more uh, active than you would have even when you could see someone in person, you know. So uh, it, was, it was a great experience for me overall. And um, yeah, something I'm looking to continue on doing. So, so, and just, just quickly then, so what was your personal highlight for the course? Like what was your, what was the highlight for you of, of doing this course? Um, I thought it was actually really funny tuning into a lecture. Um, I've never been in a lecture theater before or anything. Um, and I remember one day quite clearly, clearly just after the world championships in Aspen, uh, and I'd done, I uh, had a fairly good day and like got home and like, finish up the day obviously on a kind of like big high and really excited and whatnot from from the event and then got back and like realized I had a lecture to tune into and just switched on my computer and you're in a group with a bunch of Wellington uni students and whatnot and you're just like well this is a different world again but it's it's a really cool contrast I like that antidote you know because the ski world can be quite full-on and crazy and whatnot and so to just tune back to reality and realize that with the same things happening back in New Zealand, a little on New Zealand. So um, that was just a cool, cool thing, a cool reminder of that privilege, I guess I was talking about before of how lucky I am to be doing this and realize the option of being in Wellington. So I said too. Yeah. It's a kind of weird one, isn't it? Because in, in, in lots of ways, you know, the pandemic, I mean, it's really easy to talk about all of the really terrible things that have happened as a result of the pandemic uh, and understandably so, but weirdly almost there was almost this capacity for us to change how we do things. it was almost like we were given license to be fairly radical in how we change the things that we do and how we do them um that's a really interesting one to me because it means it allowed you to i mean i love that description you've got of you know being in the world champions in in aspen and then suddenly tuning into a lecture back home which a lot of students would think of as 
quite mundane, but you kind of were enjoying that. Do you also feel like that that actually was weirdly a, a huge advantage because you could, for the first time, you could you could be this, you know, championship skier and at the same time you could still take a university course? Was That, that would have been unthinkable in the past, right, for you? Yeah, for sure. I think that's what's halted me, I guess, from studying in the past couple of years as well. Um, I wanted to do some study, but lots of the courses that were on offer uh, that were 100% online weren't really of interest to me. And when I saw this pop up and that it was uh, fully online learning um, now with the COVID pandemic, I jumped on the opportunity. I actually remember really clearly I wasn't planning on studying this year too much and uh, saw this course and heard about it through a friend and for like the next three or five days after that I just like couldn't stop thinking about it and enrolled that night just kind of on a limb when I was over in Colorado and um, really happy I did I guess. Great and can I just just before we jump back to Zach I just want to quickly ask were there any unexpected challenges of, of doing this course what was you know was there anything um, feel free to give the warts on the on the difficult things as well. Don't throw Zach under the bus. I just mean, you know, if there's any. <laughs> it's a very challenging I course. Yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't throw Zach under the bus. He's got a great moustache, so um, I'll let you off there. But uh, I think the challenges for me um, was sometimes when you have to hit the deadline um, and things would be really busy with skiing and whatnot. It's just trying to fit that in. You know. It's, when you've got the opportunity to do online learning, you're saying like you can kind of take it at your own pace. But with that, there's also deadlines that need to be met. And sometimes those deadlines just overstack with deadlines in other areas of your life, you know. And I think that was the hardest thing was just balancing those. And with the time zone, sometimes like a, a time when you had to hand in your assessment would be, you know, in the middle of the night or something. And I would find myself staying up pretty late just to crank that out and then still having to ski the next day. So um, every now and again, you'd, you'd have those disadvantages in that way. But I feel like I'm in a pretty unique situation in, in that sense. But uh, yeah, I think overall it was uh, went really smoothly. And whenever there was troubles, that ability to reach out through email and whatnot to your tutors was uh, a great thing and, and really helped me personally. Great. And Zach, I want to ask you the same the same questions, but I'm going to ask them as one question for you, which was, you know, what was your personal highlight of, of running this course as an online offering? And, uh, you know, what were the unexpected challenges for you? Yeah, well, the highlights, I think, um, really came in the students' work. I mean, I'm used to seeing students be creative in this course, and um, it's no surprise to me that Finn describes his uh, category of skiing as one of the most uh, creative. He clearly has a creative mind. Um, but I do think that in some ways the uh, pandemic or the online learning brought out a different level of creativity or a new kind of creativity. I mean, we had students who uh, took to their sewing machines and made physical objects and um, made apps or digital applications, things that... Um, they maybe wouldn't have thought to do if they hadn't been online or in that environment or, or kind of looking to express themselves in a very constrained moment, you know? Um, and I think that, that overcoming of constraint is a big part of creativity. Um, and, you know, you see that in Finn trying to juggle uh, this big career in skiing and, and coming up with 
like you just said, creative ways to study and and uh, have another life on top of that. Um, so that was inspiring to see the resilience of the students and how they reacted to the situation and and took it in stride and and continued their own uh, journey of learning and creativity and stuff like that. Um, the challenges I, I think are familiar to everybody. The kind of weirdness of Zoom, the disconnect across time zones. Um, just missing being in person, you know, um, in the design studio at the school, you know, often myself, the tutors are there to look over the shoulders of students to see what they're doing on a moment by moment basis. And it's hard to replicate that online. So we tried by having very small zoom groups, just of a handful of students so that students felt more comfortable talking and you could actually share work, show work and get feedback, um, and we had a lot of tutor support too. So we have really great tutors for that course and in the school of design. So they were always there and switched on to help students and uh, give lots of feedback on their work. So um, yeah, there are certainly challenges um, built in, but I was inspired by the creativity that I saw in the face of those. Yeah. I, and just to follow up, um, I, I would totally agree with you on that. Like the, the thing that really blew me away when, when that first lockdown happened was uh, I was teaching a photography course and uh, I, so I had to take the whole course online, obviously. Um, and what amazed me was actually the quality of the student work. It was the best work. I've been teaching the class for nearly 12 years now. The work was the best I've ever seen. And I realized it was because in a lockdown situation, if you're a student and you've got a camera, and you're not allowed to be around anyone else, it's a really great idea. You can take your camera and go and shoot uh, at places where, you know, you can go to, you can devote more time to, to, to the experience of actually being a photographer than you might do if you've actually got a whole lot of competing social demands. And exactly the same, I thought my experience was um, that the constraint almost pushed, pushed the students to, 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 to produce even more in a way. And Finn, I'm wondering if that, as a student, if you feel like, because obviously I've, I've seen you work from that course and it's great. Um, did you, you. do you think that that constraint for you in a way, because, because it must, I've got to be honest, it must be an odd thing to be a student to enroll in a university course and to have never actually stood, you know, sat in a lecture or sat with a cohort of students. And yet it looks like you knocked it out of the park with your project. Thank you. Um, yeah, I think for sure. I definitely had moments when you're handing in an assessment and if you hadn't had the time to reach out to the tutors as much, uh, sometimes you're handing in wondering if you're even on the right track or if you're super on the out on the whim. But uh, I think with that opportunity, like you're talking about with the time that you had, um, the, you definitely push more deeper into those creativity, uh, into your creativity. Um, just because you come up with an idea and you're able to actually develop it and refine it. And that's obviously a huge part of this course as well as critically thinking about um, the work that you're doing. And I think if you've got an extended period of time to do that, you can really dive into it and, and think a bit more abstractly. And I think people's experience as well in the last year probably shaped some, some different thoughts about society and the world and whatnot. And uh, maybe that was reflected through some of their work. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, for sure, that opportunity to just have a bit more time and sit down and reflect, I think, brought up some uh, 
cool bits of creativity for people and I definitely found that myself. So so the next question I've got to ask, I've got to ask this is, have you been on campus since that course? Like have you have you been to any lectures yet in physical lectures? Are you have you set foot on the university grounds yet? No, I haven't actually. I haven't been to Wellington in years. Um, I'd love to make it up and check it out because like you're saying, it's, it is bizarre studying uh, through a university and, and not actually being there or seeing the campus or even know what's going on. I mean, I've had plenty of interaction with that, but I've never actually met you in person. So uh, yeah, it would, it would be cool to make it up there. That's fantastic. I, re- I really like this. So um, at Setoyan, are you going to be? Are you? Have you got plans for taking more courses? Are you doing any just now, or are you? You know, what's your? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing a couple of papers at the moment um, through Dan uh, Scudder as well. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, same thing. I guess just don't have too much time throughout the New Zealand winter to actually make it up there. But hopefully, um, I've got a few weeks off before we head overseas again. So maybe in that time, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so so I, I was going to, another question I've got is, you know, have you connected to any other students while studying um, or accessed any other support from the university? But um, Yeah, I guess, like you're saying, we had those breakout rooms uh, when we were having our like, tutor sessions and uh, that was a cool thing because, you know, you switch on, like I was saying, that example of going to the World Championships and you'd sit back at the computer and, and do around the room and whatnot and see what everyone's been up to and, uh, it was cool connecting with different people and it'll be funny. I've got like a couple of flatmates that knew some of the other students and the courses and whatnot. And you'd have these weird interactions and in these tutor rooms when everyone else was listening from who knows their bedrooms and whatnot. And so it was funny just tuning into people's lives briefly like that. So, and just one thing I want to add to that as well, then, and maybe Zach, you might've had this experience too, which was um, when I ran a course, you know, when I ran the course online, uh, we really didn't see the students at all until 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 actually the next term. And so I had this weird experience where all of these students that I felt like I knew really well, I'd just never really seen them in 3D. And so when you did see them in 3D, it was something like, oh, that's what you, it was. It was kind of a, this bizarre it was weirdly rewarding, but also it was a rewarding to sit thing to actually meet them in person as well. Did you did you get that kind of odd? Yeah, in my imagination, Finn is seven feet tall, and he kind of has this gold medal glow coming off of him, you know, wherever he walks. So I mean, I'm looking I might never forward come to up the three D version. That's I might never come up and meet you, Zach. So I think you're going to be pretty uh, unimpressed. <laughs> I was about I to say that. that's clearly the truth because we can see him on <laughs> we can see him on Zoom, and he and I should, by the way, add that um, that Finn was was uh, uh, commenting on the awesomeness of Zach's mustache earlier for so for anyone who was listening it's not just that he was sucking up to his professor finn also has um a world champion mustache himself so there's, a, there's some mustache love going on here i think <laughs> <laughs> um and so just one other thing i just wanted to get in was um the school of design innovation i think and may and, and i think you were a key part of this uh this nomination uh was nominated for a gold award for a resilience uh, under the resilience category, I think, because of because of the online learning capacity. Um, and the Wellington Gold Awards were uh, just a few days ago. We held them. Did 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 you we win uh, a gold award? 
we did win a gold award for resilience. It was not a few yeah. years ago. It was actually in the, uh, yeah, it was in the, um, it's not Finn's first win. Maybe my first win. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll take any gold medals yeah, we right. can get, right? <laughs> that's right. Um, but yeah, it was, it was last month as part of the nomination ceremony. They gave out this resilience award. I think a special category or maybe new category this year in the face of COVID. So Wellington kind of gives out these awards to um, various entities or businesses in the city. And so um, the School of Design Innovation won that award for our resilience in pivoting to online learning. Fantastic. Fantastic. That's good. And um, before we we wrap up, I just want to ask, do either of you have anything you want to say or say to each other or, or just saying, do any of you, do either of you have anything you'd like to add before we, before we wrap up? I'll, I'll give Finn a quiz. I'll test him live on air. Finn, should you use Comic Sans? Yes or no? No. Correct. (laughs) He passes the class. I I thought about using Papyrus though for you. (laughs) No, that's even worse. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess on my end, uh, thank you, Zach. Um, Like I was saying, it's a cool opportunity to be able to study. And so your guys' delivery um, really made that a lot more possible. So cheers. Well, thank you for your engagement in the class. It was great to have you. And I could tell you put your all in, which is not surprising given your accomplishments already, but I'm happy to see your promising start as a, in a design career as well. Thank you, sir. Yeah. You, you realize that the two of you are going to have to like meet up for a coffee one day or something like you, you can't, <laughs> you can't have gone through this whole experience, including recording a podcast and, and never actually meet in physical reality. No, we will. Finn's going to make a whole portfolio of design work, and then I'm going to just tear it to shreds. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just waiting to take you over the jumps up Drone Zach, so let me know when you're next down. You could be my teacher. I've never skied before in my life. Perfect. Not even once. Great, I want great place the, I, to start. I want the only time I ski to be with the championship skier. That's, that's, that's <laughs> a, I'm, I'm, tr- I'm trying to work out who gets the best deal here. I think you're getting the best deal here, Zach. By far. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I just want to say thanks to both of you for taking the, your time to um, record this podcast. And uh, it's been a really interesting uh, uh, story to hear about, to be honest. I've been, it's, it's great to hear about other people's experiences teaching through a pandemic. Uh, rather than just going through it yourself. So thanks to both of you. And uh, I want to say goodbye. It feels a little bit final. Really. <laughs> <laughs> until next time. Yeah, until next Thank time. You, exactly. Man. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, boys. Appreciate it. Cheers. To stay up to date with our latest podcasts, subscribe using your preferred podcast provider. Thank you to Te Koki School of Music alumni Stefan Patton and Kenyon Shanky for the use of their music. From Te Heringa Waka, Victoria University of Wellington, Haere rā.